Good evening and welcome to this episode of the podcast to fall asleep to. I'm your host, Jimmy Joe. And I'm here to talk about things that are unimportant and uninteresting until you take this train to Sleepy Town. I'm going to continue the story I began last week of a very uh, sad journey in my life. This was, uh, I was 20 years old, and after spending a semester studying abroad in the beautiful city of Pau, France, I left to go home back to Reno, Nevada. So where I last left off, I was getting on to my flight in Frankfurt, Germany with the knowledge that I would not be able to make my connecting flight in Washington, D.C. to make it to San Francisco. As stressed out as I was about the logistics of how the next night would follow, I was also still just very sad. I didn't want to leave France. Not yet, not like that. So I got on the flight, and I was seated in an exit row. So I didn't have a... uh, The other seats had TV screens built into the back of the chairs in front of them so they could watch stuff. I didn't have that. But I had some books. So I was reading, sadly, trying to take my mind off of things and uh, eventually a flight attendant comes by with the drink cart taking orders and he looks at me I'm not really thinking I say and he kind of gives me a weird look and I looked at him and I said gin tonic and he says in English, I think you're saying gin tonic. And I remembered that from this flight, I had left from Germany, not France. So he spoke German and English, but not French. But he made me my drink, and uh, I think he saw that I was having some trouble, so he made it pretty stiff. And it was... Uh, I think it was five euro or six dollars. That was the exchange rate at the time, approximately. That's how they were doing the drinks, at least. And I looked, and the only cash I had on me was a hundred dollar bill and two fifty euro notes. And he said, I can't break either of those. And I said, Start a tab. So by the end of the flight, I had, uh, bought 50 euro worth of drinks so he didn't have to break it at all actually I think I bought 40 or 45 and the rest was tipped in don't remember a word of anything I was reading on that flight but I was a lot less sad so I go through customs And I know that my bag, my luggage, my checked luggage will go to San Francisco that night. 
and I'm waiting in the line trying to figure out how I can get to San Francisco, and the line is very long to get help for that airline. I don't remember what airline I was flying. Anyway, I finally get to them, and I explain the situation, and I ask what they can do. They said, well, we can give you a coupon to get 10% off at this hotel for tonight. And this was maybe like 11, 11.30 p.m. And I said, my flight is at 6 a.m. I can get a few hours of sleep if I, if I leave the airport right now, get a shuttle to the hotel. I can get a few hours of sleep before I need to come back here and go through security and get on that flight. Someone changed my flight. I did not. I was made aware of this at the airport to an impossible flight that I never could have made, even had I been notified of the change. You can't even get me a night in a hotel. You can only get me a discount at a night in a hotel. They said, yeah, that's all we can do. And I resisted the urge to tell them to go fuck themselves. I just left, and I walked to a convenience store in the terminal, and I bought a pack of cigarettes and a lighter, and then I walked to a smoking room. There were two smoking rooms in that terminal. I don't know if they're still there, but this was a time when that terminal at Dulles Airport had two smoking rooms. It's a long time ago. I'm an old man. So I went to the smoker's room, and so at this point, it had been a a good maybe 12 hours since I had quit smoking for good. Back on the habit. Sister Act 2, back in the habit. Anyway, um, so yeah, so it would actually end up being another eight years before I quit smoking. Eight and a half. Actually, it's been... Uh, as I record this, when this episode is released, assuming I haven't started smoking again, it will have been longer. But as I record this, it's been uh, it's been almost eight months since I quit smoking. When I release this, it will have been. If I release this when I expect I'll release it right now, it'll probably have been like closer to nine months since I quit smoking. So, but at this point, I was just starting again. I was in the smoker's lounge, and there were about six other people, all of us in our early 20s, who were all stuck at the airport overnight. And we commiserated with each other, talked about where we were coming from, where we were going. Everyone was smoking. One guy said he was not a smoker, had never smoked before, but didn't know what to do while he was stuck in the airport overnight, so he just bought a pack of cigarettes out of boredom and curiosity. And if anyone in that group or any group people in that group had managed to get the gate up at the wine store in the airport near that smoker's lounge and uh, steal, steal several bottles of wine from a display near the window and then take them back in there and drink them and share them with everybody. Although I didn't drink any because I just wasn't in the mood after all the cocktails. If that had happened, I would never tell you about it. I remember the changes to security. I remember airport security pre 
9-11 and how crazy shit got after. So I don't fuck around in airports. And I would never tell you if any of those of uh, my compatriots at that time did. Anyway, I just stayed up all night. My flight was so early, there was no sense in falling asleep at the airport. I, th- I figured I'd just power through, sleep on the plane and in the car. So I did. I stayed up all night and went to, uh, eventually, it was time for me to, to get on my flight. So I waited at the gate and I boarded. Oh, and I had called. I had called my family the night before when I figured out exactly which flight I would be on to San Francisco, so they could time out when to get me. And I flew to San Francisco, which is a beautiful city. And my family, my mom and my sister, picked me up. Where I went down, and I waited at the baggage carousel. And eventually it was done, but my bag wasn't there, and I realized that my bag had gone the night before. There was just a a taped-off area in baggage claim at SFO that day with a whole bunch of bags from the night before and from that day from I don't know when. But I found mine there pretty fast. And I went outside, and I saw my mom, and I... Gave her a hug and I got in the car and we were driving from San Francisco to Reno. And I was telling them about my trip. And about how my French had gotten pretty good. They asked me to say something in French and so I said the last phrase I could remember learning Je suis pleine comme une pute à la fin du jour. Which means I'm full like a hooker at the end of the day. And they got real mad at me for saying that. And it was snowy on the pass. Eventually we got home to Reno. I remember my cell phone, my American cell phone at the time was a flip style cell phone. And it had uh, uh, visible speaker holes on it. And I turned it on. For the, I had just left in America while I was gone, and I turned it on. And when it turned on, um, it uh, the speakers went when it turned on, and the startup noise happened. It shot dust out of the speaker, which was neat. And then I was very sad. 
and I was happy to see my family and friends, but I was sad to have left such a beautiful country where I had started to make a beautiful life for myself. And I experienced reverse culture shock, which um, can be pretty jarring and unsettling, upsetting, surprising. I think mainly because uh, it's often unexpected. When I went to France, I, I was expecting to experience culture shock. I knew things would be different. I knew that I would have to adapt quickly. And I did. And I enjoyed it very much. But when I came back to America, I, I just, I thought, this is the life I've known forever. So it'll be like coming home. I mean, it'll, it'll be like putting on, you know, your, your favorite pair of underwear. You know how it works. You know how it fits. But uh, it wasn't like that. It, it felt different. It, uh, it was difficult to readjust back into what my life had been, which was very surprising. And um, yes, it was, it was uh, difficult for a while. So to any of uh, my listeners who might be coincidentally experiencing reverse culture shock right now if you've been traveling somewhere and are back to where you were before. Don't sweat it, man. It's cool, dog. It all... It gets better. You get used to it again. Also, I feel like the jet lag is worse coming back. Being outside in the sun helps during the daytime. Making yourself get up and be outside in the sunshine helps. Although, weirdly, and I think maybe it was Anthony Bourdain said this, I don't remember who. Someone said, like, jet lag when it's like, you know, 8 hours, 12 hours, 16 hours, whatever, like... That's not as bad as jet lag when it's like, you know, three hours, four hours, like a couple hours. And I think that's right, because when it's like totally different, like it's, if you make yourself, you know, get, start getting back on a normal schedule, it's just sort of like, you know, you're almost shocked into it. You can be at least, sometimes it sucks and takes a while, but, but when it's like almost the same time, but like a little bit off like that, that can be a more annoying transition, I feel like. It was three years after that that I would return to France for a much worse experience. <laughs> I've been to France twice, once as a student and once as a teacher, and I definitely preferred the time as a student, mostly just because of where I was. I, uh, I don't do well in rural areas smaller population areas some people some people you know love that and they do great and that's wonderful for them but i personally do not so yeah yeah that's just me
I really timed out these episodes poorly. I should have stopped recording that other one, like, earlier. Cut some of that into this one. Maybe I could just do that. How, how lazy would that be? If I just took, like, the end of that episode and stuck it out at the end of this one, they'd both just end the same way. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's, the point is to be boring. No, I won't do that. That feels like cheating. doing some noises for my ASMR friends. Um, Alright, let's see. I'll do a description. What can I describe? Trying to think of something I can describe while not having to face away from the microphone. Uh, okay, so lighting sources that I can see right now, just where I'm sitting. Uh, there's a light on the microwave. Well, it's, um, it's the time on the microwave is illuminated. Uh, same thing, I can't see it because my... Um, Microphone shield blocks me, but I can see see the light from it on the ceiling, uh, from the time, the display clock on the stove, on the oven. Range, is that what it's called when there's two together, or range? I think most are two together, but um, yeah, I can see that. Uh, the strong blue light from that is on the ceiling, and actually I can see that one, and then also I have a coffee bean grinder it's an electric burr grinder and that has a blue light on it that is also shining onto the ceiling uh there's a i have a it's a an insect repellent thing it uh plugs into the wall and it and like emits some frequency or some nonsense like that and keeps bugs away so that has Two indicator lights, one is green and one is red. They're, I think they both indicate that it's a, putting out two different kinds of like waves or signals or frequencies or whatever. Those are both on. Um, the green one is on top. The device uh, is oriented so that it plugs in and then sticks down. But I have it sticking up right now on that socket. So that's there. There was a candle burning in here when I started recording earlier, but it was almost toward the end, and now it is at the end. It's burned out, so that's not lighting anything up anymore. And there's one light on in the corner across the room 
on the other side of the room. So my, so my house, when you walk in the front door, it's like the living room area. And then, um, and there's a big bookshelf that we use as a room divider that you can hear more about in the first episode of this podcast, episode one, my bookshelf. Uh, and then from there is the kitchen. So we have the table and then there's a kitchen island and I record on the island and um, in the corner on the like front door side of the room. So it's one big room come in the front door and the living room. So in the living room in the corner there is a lamp. Um, it's on the ground. It's a, it like is on the ground, but then it's a long white tube. It's like a paper kind of tube thing. Um, like a cylinder. Uh, it's, uh, like four feet high probably. Um, with a light in the middle and then it illuminates the whole thing. That is on, so that is shining... Uh, onto my back right now but um where it's shining onto me it's shining in like soft like patches because it's shining through the bookshelf which again you can hear all about that bookshelf in the first episode of this podcast episode one titled my bookshelf um but the it also shines directly onto the doors and the wall on the other side that is not um that doesn't have the bookshelf between between it and the light. Uh, yeah. The overhead lights, in, well, there's overhead lights um, above the kitchen island that are not turned on right now. And there are lights inset in the kitchen ceiling that are also not turned on. We don't usually turn those on. Those ones still have daylight bulbs in them, which I kind of feel like we could just change those to soft white, which is what the rest of the lamps are, but whatever. We don't usually turn those on. And there are other lamps also, but I'm not looking at the other lamps, so I'm not going to try to describe them. Uh, all right, so that's enough. Um, I'm going to call it for tonight. So I uh, hope you're fast asleep. Uh, and uh, I hope you have some sweet dreams.